welcome to the Gathering Place Church weekly podcast. We hope today's message ignites, equips, and challenges you to live out your Christian faith and to bring healing to a broken world. Is His presence is just touching you for a moment. I was seeking the Lord last night and I felt I have a word of encouragement for our church and just want to share this with you and believe that uh, this isn't just for our church as we move forward, but it's for you. It's for your personal life. It's for your walk. And Jordan, if you put this up, um, Isaiah 37, I believe. And Isaiah 37 says this. It says, and they said to him, thus says Hezekiah, this day is a day of trouble and rebuke and blasphemy. For the children have come to birth, but there is no strength to bring them forth. And I don't know here who today is you're believing for a miracle. You're believing that God is more than able. Sometimes when you're in that place of having to tell yourself, I'm not going to deny what the Lord can do. I'm not going to deny the miracle. You know you're pregnant with something. You know that God has put something in you. God's put strength in you to raise your family. God's put grace in you to, to succeed in your marriage. But like the scripture says, there's not the strength to bring forth the pregnancy. And for some of you today, when you cling to Christ, when the Holy Spirit touches you, it's the very thing that can change the situation and take what is in motion and allow that birth, allow that pregnancy to come forth and that there be strength that accompany you. You see, as you're seeking God and, and as we think of things that leak the strength out of our life. Today, as we even get into the scriptures today, I believe it accompanies our story of Ahab. And as we see Jezebel, these two characters at play who war against each other. And, and what they do is they feed on drama. And if you want to see anything quickly to get you out of the will of God, to get you looking in the wrong way, get involved in some drama in your life and watch the strength get sapped to where what God's put in you God can't get it through you because there's no strength there to push. You know, there's a, another story in the Bible I think of as I was just reading the scripture this morning. Because if you didn't know, we're past the place. God has birthed something here. And he's going to give us the strength to do what he's called us to do. To move forward as a church. To see lives change. To see God, you become all God has called and created you to be. So this is a place of where strength is coming forth. But... I was thinking of David, and when Goliath in 1 Samuel 17 would come and taunt regularly every morning God's people, just throw accusations, taunt them, what are you going to do about it? And there was this moment where David had heard enough of it. But as Goliath had come every day, it says that his brothers would just retreat and run off into the distance. And David comes forth and he says, what's in it if I defeat this giant? And so Saul reminds them that if you defeat Goliath, you're not going to have to pay taxes. I think that's, that'd be awesome. He says, I'm going to give you a wife, and then there's going to be wealth that's given to you. And I love the confidence. I think we sing that this morning. I got my confidence back. I love the confidence of David because he says, what's in it if I kill this giant? And what if we started facing the giants of our life, and we said, what's in it for me? If I kill some of these giants, if I don't tolerate them, if I don't just stay in the drama, 
but I actually take the fight. And you know, when David stepped up, there was a little drama that happened. You can go and read, I think it's first King, or it's first Samuel 17, 20 through 28, somewhere in there. But it says his older brother, Eliab, gets enraged and angry that he was gonna do something about it because it's gonna make his older brother look bad. You know, he should have been doing that. He should have taken the initiative. But David steps forward in strength. And what you need to see is David in that moment when his brother began to throw shade, try to pull him into the thick, into the weeds of the drama, he could have lived there and missed the opportunity of what God was wanting him to do with Goliath. Many of us were pulled back and pulled away into these lesser little dramas, these petty issues, and it keeps you from ever facing the Goliath that God has for you to take dominion over to win against, to take your authority and to be what God's called you to do. So don't let drama seep you and leak you of the anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit does not operate in drama. He can cause some things to shift and maybe start a little drama, but it's a different kind of drama. And as we are a people today and as we see Ahab and Jezebel They were all about getting drama going to get people distracted. Elijah would step forward, would be assertive, would be a man of his word, would be a man who fully surrendered and trusted in God. And because of his surrender, because of his trust, God did amazing things through him. So as you're believing for a miracle today, it takes a different walk. We can just believe all day long, and that's where it starts. We've got to walk by faith, not by sight, but a faith walk is a walk that is absent of certain things. It's absent of fear. And it's full of peace. It's full of joy. So as we look at the life of Elijah and specifically look at Ahab today, and as we try to take what we see revealed in the scriptures of how we don't become a passive, indifferent, tolerant person like Ahab was, because you will open yourself up to all of hell if you are always passive, indifferent, and tolerant when it comes to your walk with God. When it comes is, even we look specifically at us men, there's a spirit of Ahab that wants to come upon you to make you passive, indifferent, and tolerant, where evil and hell can just come right into your home, right into your family. But we know that God calls us to be Elijah, that we're assertive, We don't always look for the fight, but if the fight comes to us, you better believe we're going to take it. Evil doesn't stop on autopilot. Evil always goes, and it takes a man of God, a woman of God that's willing to get in the middle of it to stop it, to send it back to where it comes from. So today, as we just bow our heads for a moment, posture our hearts, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here. There's faith here. God, there's your grace and your mercy. Let us turn to Jesus. Let us become a little more like Jesus today. I pray for those that are in need of a miracle. God, we pray for Carol and we pray for Mike as Mike is in the hospital believing for a miracle today. God, we just release faith to him and let uh, the, the power and plan of God touch him for his life, that you're not done with him yet, that healing is his portion today. Father, we thank you for Lisa that as she's healing and recovering, as Alan's here standing in faith for her. God, we believe for a miracle be sent to that hospital room today for a good report in Jesus' name. 
and all those that are here that are suffering and in pain and in need, your God is a healer. And we believe today and we stretch our faith that by his stripes, you are healed. The blood of Jesus covers you. The blood of Jesus is your portion. Do not walk in fear. Do not crumble to the bad reports. Stand up, put your shoulders back and trust in God like never before. We thank you, Jesus, that you're here. We will change today. We will be confronted with our sin. But as we're confronted, we go to you and we repent. And we thank, thank you that you clean the slate. You make us new. You remind us who we are. And we become more and more like Jesus every day. In the mighty, strong, powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Well, you can be seated. Pray you were blessed and touched by worship today. I know I was, and it's so wonderful. I pray you appreciate the variety that can come and the different, you know, not every week is the same. And there's a great part of routine and discipline. You've got to have that, but there's always a refreshing of when, how God can move specifically and differently week in and week out. One week, it might be a focus on this. The next week, a focus on that. And the thing I know is it's different when you hear, and then when you take what you hear, you apply it, you learn, you heed, and you obey it. So don't be a, just a hearer today, but take it and let's learn something, and then let's heed and obey what the Scripture teaches, because that's where change takes place. Spiritual transformation is not complicated. It's usually just a level of what is written, how much are you willing to know it, and then go apply it. From there, the Holy Spirit takes over, and he puts you in situations and tests and places of growth, and you've just got to take and know the word of God and respond accordingly to what and how we're taught. A couple things about Ahab this morning as we discuss um, signs and discern of the spirit of Ahab. I think a lot of us, we hear about the spirit of Jezebel. You know, we know about her. She's kind of spoken about a little more. We've taught on it in this church, but you don't really get into really um, what empowers Jezebel. And it's a passive, tolerant, indifferent man by the name of King Ahab. King, king and queen Ahab and Jezebel, they rule the land. They're a wicked king. And as we've seen in the story of Elijah, and men, as we've been going through New Days Old Demons, it's based in this, is we see that Jezebel is one who is seductive, perverted, manipulative, and controlling. Um, Ahab, is again, is one who is indifferent, he's tolerant, he's passive. And then we see Elijah, who we all want to be and pray, no matter if you're a man or a woman, this isn't just gender-specific, but we want to have the spirit of Elijah, the same spirit that was with Jesus, the same spirit that, if you remember, even in, um, when Jesus asked the questions to his disciples, he, they, he asked, who do you think I am? You know, one of, the, one of the men of God, the Old Testament prophets that came up in that conversation was, oh, we think you're Elijah. So there was a lot of similarities between the spirit that was with Elijah, which we know is the Holy Spirit, that was even with Jesus. So the same spirit you see, and we talk about Elijah, there is a greater Elijah. His name is Jesus. And as we become more like Jesus, we're going to be able to maneuver in these spaces to discern that which is an evil, wicked, unholy spirit 
and that which is the Holy Spirit. And I think it's, it's difficult because when you talk about a subject like this today, it doesn't mean you need to go start sniffing around the people in your life of, oh, they're an Ahab, oh, they're a Jezebel. I'm gonna go confront them. Now, in some cases, you probably need to do so. I'm not saying don't, but don't put your, your radar on and, and get really spooky and weird on me and go and do these things. But it is good to know that these spirits are still at work. They still are working through people. They still are um, uh, causing division, destruction, uh, perversion. And so much of what you see here, even in the, in the realm that King Ahab and Queen Jezebel are in political leadership, you can even see all of these things, not just in the realm of a church, you see them in politics, you see them in economics, that these spirits aren't just trying to ruin Christians' lives, but they rule and reign and have domains and dominion in different spheres and in different places. And when you talk about these things, it's important uh, that you don't skirt away from some of these hard truths because if you can confront them, because before we ever meet Jesus, maybe you've walked in your flesh for some time, then you met Jesus and everything changed. You can have tendencies and proclivities to be a Jezebel at times in your life or to be an Ahab. And the goal is to get to Elijah as quickly as possible. Because when you're in your flesh and in your carnality, you're gonna try to control things or on the Ahab side, you're gonna try to be passive and abdicate and, and let somebody else deal with it, take on the hard work or carry the load. Couple scriptures where you really see who Ahab was, which speaks to this spirit, is in um, 1 Kings 20, verse 4, uh, 1 through 4. I'll read it, then we'll get to it. And this is uh, where uh, Naboth uh, was wrongfully accused. Naboth owned a beautiful vineyard. Ahab, who uh, again is married to a, a seducer, so. Uh, he had, was riddled with lust. Anything he saw that caught his fancy he wanted, he put his target on it and nobody was gonna get in his way. So he commits an atrocity, kills, has an innocent man killed to take his vineyard and to take his land. It says this, it says, Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard in Jezreel next to the threshing floor of Ahab, king of Samaria. So Ahab spoke for Naboth saying, give me your vineyard, and it will be my garden for herbs, for it is near my house, and in return, I'll give you a better vineyard. Or if you prefer, I'll give you money for it, and it will be my, my herb garden. But Naboth said to Ahab, the Lord forbid that I should give the inheritance of my fathers to you. And in verse four, we see Ahab was, Ahab's spirit was disturbed. It didn't take a lot to get Ahab disturbed. Ahab's gonna be very emotional He's gonna cry, he's gonna yell, he's gonna uh, really get caught up in these things. And I love what commentary even says about Naboth because Naboth is a picture of you and I in Christ. It says, Naboth was a man of discernment. He was righteous, full of courage and self-control. Therefore, he rejected Ahab's request. So when you walk in, in the spirit, even what may have seemed like a good deal, what if Naboth was getting above fair market value for the land? What if it, it made sense financially? but there was something in him that discerned, no, something is off here, and I'm not gonna sell what my inheritance is to a wicked, evil king. So he was even able to discern here that this was not a good transaction, this was not a good deal. 
and it frustrated him. And know this, when you begin to stand against these spirits, you're gonna cause some distress. You're gonna cause some frustration. And like I'm saying, you're gonna begin to cause some drama that if you're not prepared for it, it can, like Elijah, when the, uh, what did we talk about last week? When Jezebel went to attack, it sent him running for his life in the other direction. So we're gonna see this week as Elijah gets healed up, he gets back from um, the place of where he wanted to end his life, he said. He was emotionally, physically uh, distraught. He was done. He was worn out. God meets him where he's at, says, arise, eat, and sleep. We need to get you healthy. We need to get, get the purposes and plans of God, the vision of God back in your life. And so Elijah walks away from that, gets the, into the gentle breeze, right? Remember, he says, you think I'm in the fire. You think I'm in all these things, but I'm in the still, small voice. So he gets that intimacy back with his savior back. And then in this, Elijah is able to come back and once again start asserting and confronting evil and wicked spirits. And as we are men and women of God, we cannot sit by passive as we see evil and wickedness at play in our country, in our culture, and in our churches. That there is a right and wrong way. You do not have to be a jerk about it. Please hear this. But you can be an Elijah about it. You can be assertive where it needs, truth needs to be said. You don't have to yell. You don't have to cause a big scene. But you can go in the power of the Holy Spirit and confront the things and people in your life um, that are causing drama and that are causing destruction and there's manipulation and covertness taking place. So we see he's distressed. You skip on down to um, verse 25, 1 Kings 20, verse 25. It says that nevertheless, Ahab sold himself to vainly do what is evil in the sight of the Lord. So this guy was just full of vanity. Again, he's a king that's supposed to be serving God and his people, but he cared more about his own pleasure, his own comfort, and not what God had commanded him to do. So right here we see he would easily get distressed when something didn't go his way. Ahab sold himself vainly to do what is evil in the sight of the Lord, that any deal he could get that could benefit him, you better believe he took it and didn't care who it hurt uh, that was underneath him. So quickly, several things, and I'm, I'll send these notes out because I'm gonna go quick with them. There's gonna be a lot of points of where we see different attributes, personality of what this Ahab spirit is and how you can pinpoint it. And maybe some of these things that I read today they conflict you a little bit. Maybe you've leaned into some of these. Maybe there's areas of your life where you're passive in that you need to say, Holy Spirit, touch this part of my life, heal this part of my life, and get me to the place of where I'm more like Elijah and not like Ahab. So as we get into this today, um, in the spirit of Elijah, it, we were talking about this in Bible study. This is awesome. And Logan changed my life with this. Um, so, as you notice, I wear Carhartt a lot, right? It's, you'll probably see something Carhartt on every other week or whatever. And um, as we were talking about this, Logan uh, says that uh, he has an uncle who was the vice president of engineering in Carhartt when it all kind of came together. And he got his hand on this amazing gem of a Carhartt jacket. And uh, this Carhartt jacket, if I understand correctly, was customly designed, let's bring this thing out here, was customly designed for Bruce Willis and Die Hard. 
All right. So he said he had it somewhere. You found it. And then I started bartering you for it. I said, at least just let me preach in this thing. Because isn't Bruce Willis's character John McClane in Die Hard? Is that it? Yes. And if I think of anybody who always stood against the odds, just like Elijah did, this is Bruce Willis. This is John McClane. Great Christmas movie, by the way. Um, <laughs> but I couldn't think of a better jacket to preach in today in the spirit of Elijah than a uh, custom fit jacket for Bruce Willis. So here we go. I think you got it because they changed the style last minute. Is that right, Logan? Yeah, so you got your hands on it. Look, me and Bruce are the same size. I can get, I can get behind that. We ready for this? I'm going to preach fire today, I'm telling you. We could just end church right now, and I might walk out with this thing. We'll see. All right, so we're going to go quickly, but it's going to be good. You need to know this about when it comes to being either possessed, oppressed, or tendencies. So when you're dealing with Ahab, next week we're gonna deal with Jezebel, and then we're gonna look at how Elijah was taken by chariots of fire into heaven. Jezebel, Ahab couldn't touch him, couldn't kill him. And we're gonna see these three personalities, but we're gonna start with Ahab, get to Jezebel, and then how we're to be in Elijah. So when it comes to being possessed, Ahab and Jezebel were possessed by evil spirits. A lot of Christians, if you're in Christ, Many of the times you are not possessed. But what we can get into, just like Elijah was, is he was oppressed. Jezebel sent him on the run, therefore oppressed him with the spirit that was inflicting him. Uh, and number three, and as you're being set free, as you're getting healing, as you're coming to the knowledge of truth, uh, you can still deal with tendencies. You can deal with certain personalities, whether you're shy or passive. Maybe there was bad teaching in your life. Your family system was dysfunctional and you're still being set free of some tendencies. Anybody think, God, you've been set free for some tendencies in your family line, that what those tendencies were no longer have to be yours, or maybe you're in process of being set free of these tendencies. So a man or woman can have a Jezebel spirit, but what, we, what, I, what I've seen, and just as you study the spirit, more men tend to cater toward Ahab, being passive, and women cater toward Jezebel, being manipulative and controlling. So as we get into these, they're gonna be more based toward men, but understand today, a woman can also have these tendencies. And as we touch them, understand it's for your healing, understand it's for your knowledge and for your discernment, so you don't have to stay bound to these spirits, because these two spirits are very powerful, they're very destructive. I've confronted them in my life, and they are no fun if you don't know what you're doing when you get into them. But I pray that you learn a little something today, and this helps you. We see in, in uh, Revelation chapter 2, this is an important part of what we see about Jezebel. Revelation chapter 2, verse 20 specifically says, Nevertheless, I have a few things against you, because you allow, other translations say, because you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. So Ahab's mortal sin here is he constantly tolerated her in spite of everyone else paid the price because he would consistently tolerate this woman, Jezebel. Even to the point of what her grave sin was is that she would teach and she would seduce the servants to commit these sexual 
atrocities. Seven things quickly of what Ahab likes and then what to look out for. Number one is Ahab's love fear. They operate in fear. Fear is the playground where they make their moves. Fear is the design that they have to, um, to create and insulate themselves. Many times as you read about Ahab, he's always in the castle. He's, he's hidden away. He's never on the front lines. He's never in the battle. He's uh, uh, getting people to go in, do their dirty work. He's always delegating, never getting his hands dirty. And he doesn't get into the middle of the war and into the, into the conflict. He, he's riddled with fear of man, not fear of God. He has short-range thinking. And ultimately, when you operate in, in faith over fear, it's all of what you believe who's going to show up. If you operate in fear, you really don't believe, like we sang this morning, that God's going to show up, that your faith in him is just so minimal. It really doesn't mean anything. It sounds good, and it feels good in a worship service. But then when you're on the battle, do you really believe that God can show up? So this is where we've got to operate in faith, and Ahab would always play to the fears of those around him. Number two is this, is that he loves entitlement. Loves entitlement. Ahab was given everything. He was spoiled. He inherited the kingdom. He didn't have to be voted in for it. He didn't have to try to earn it. Um, He would uh, just uh, inherit it, walk right into it. It was in his family. And so we see that there's this entitled spirit to a royal life. We saw in the story of that he killed Naboth to get something he wanted, didn't care what, he, what the, the hell he caused to the family of Naboth. And even what you see is he takes, um, when uh, it comes, all this plan comes together, he goes to Jezebel and he says, I, w- I want this land. So Jezebel puts the plan together, doesn't even tell him what the plan is and takes control from that point and then executes and wrongly accuses Naboth, has him killed, and then finds word. Ahab then goes and is all excited because he gets the land. So entitled to everything. Number three is victimhood. Remember last week or the week before when um, Elijah comes onto the scene to confront Ahab, Ahab beats him to the punch and says, oh, there's the troublemaker of Israel. And Ahab confronts him and says back, no, you're the troublemaker. You're the one who has abandoned God. You're the one who isn't honoring God. That's why there is a drought in the land. And my beef isn't between you, but it's between you and God. And I am the messenger saying, you better get your act together. You better repent or there's gonna be some serious results. You're, you're gonna, he prophesies to him along the way in the story, you're gonna die. Here's how Jezebel's gonna die. Here's how your son's gonna die. And it just, because of the victim mentality, it can never penetrate through. He never got the message and he just kept going on for his pleasure and for his purposes. And when you think of these victimhood, these entitlement, operating in fear, it really speaks to a generation of soft, weak, woke men and are so prey to become these Ahabs because there's not any resilience they're not, they're overmothered, underfathered. And as a result, you see just a soft generation where you can't say what needs to be said. And you can even say it in love, but there's, you can run back and be coddled and just there, there, it'll be okay when hard truth comes. When you even get into this, you see when, um, 
Jezebel and, and uh, Ahab, when he wanted the land, it says Jezebel comes in and, and does just that, begins to coddle him and says, there, there, Ahab, I got it under control. We'll get you the land. You're a big man. I love you. It's going to be okay, right? And just really starts coddling and, and operating in flattery. Number five is this. Ahab was emotional. And not only was Ahab emotional, but he emotionally manipulated others. Again, Ahab is the king of Israel. He commands armies, rules nations from a throne in a castle. But he was also very known to sulk, to whine, to throw fits, and to act like a toddler. Probably like one of mine. And so what we see here is there's a lot of yelling, there's a lot of crying, there's a lot of emotion. And an Ahab spirit knows if I yell, cry, and whine long enough, somebody will come, come by and, and pick up the heavy load. Somebody will come through and, and do the job that I don't want to do because I'm just going to continue to cry until somebody picks me up. I mean, I think we all might know men or boys like this who operate this way and just rely on emotionalism. And even if that doesn't work, there's strategic emotionalism where you do it on purpose because you know it gets under somebody's skin, because you know it begins to get people's attention. Number six is this, flattery. When there's flattery, Proverbs even speaks of this, there's certain types of flattery that are evil. And flattery can be a weapon used against you. Again, is Jezebel even stroked Ahab, flatter him, and just kind of push you to the side, Ahab, now I'm gonna take control I'm gonna put the plan together and here's what we're gonna do. So he's insecure, he's passive. And in that, he then can be controlled and manipulated by flattery. Number seven is this, is uh, perversion. An Ahab spirit loves sexual perversion. Again, Revelation 2 says, you tolerate that woman, Jezebel. Jezebel seducing all of these men, all of these women, getting them in, uh, to go for idols, and so what Ahab does is all of the um, things that matter about a person, especially about a woman, her heart, um, even her emotional life, um, what God's called her to do, he negates all of that for wicked and evil Jezebel just because his sexual relationship with her is good. So he negates everything that's important and that matters just because at least the sexual part of my life is good. So if you want to know an, an Ahab spirit, they will stay with that person or stay in that relationship longer than it ever should be because the sexual relationship is what is keeping there. But everything else in that relationship is causing hell all around them and in their family. So there's a massive amount of perversion. So as we look at these things, perversion, fear, these are all things Ahab, an Ahab spirit likes. Evan, you're a great dad. You're not an Ahab man. You're awesome. Keep it up. <laughs> I'll tell you, all the men in this room, you are not Ahabs. You are Elijahs. And this is what we're getting to today. That's right. So uh, several things to avoid as we get into this. And again, we'll send these notes out and you can pray through them. You can study into them. Uh, things that Ahab's avoid. Number one is headship. The goal, especially talking to men, it's not the matter, are you the head or are you not? It's, are you a good head or are you a bad head? 
God has anointed and appointed men to be the head of their families. And when they abdicate that responsibility, there is always a void there, but that void does not last long. Something or someone will come and then assume it. And when it is assumed, statistics will show what is usually the least healthy person in that family. And so as men, now again, I, I understand there's single parent homes. I'm talking specifically to homes where there is a father and a mother present in the way that God designs it. And we'll get into the other side of things next week, but you've got to understand that God's design is that men step up, they serve, they walk in the authority, they walk in the gentleness, the assertiveness that we see revealed in Scripture, and that's through headship. We don't abdicate it, we don't avoid it, because someone else will assume it and rule incorrectly in your home. Number two is this, is conflict. Ahabs avoid conflict at any cost. They're so passive that the thought of conflict riddles them with such fear. So, and you study the life of Ahab, you'll see that there is no record anywhere of him ever having healthy and necessary conflict. See, this is, this is important, is I think we avoid conflict and, and Ahab knew this about Jezebel. If I engage, you better believe she will be enraged. So he never touched. He knew his lines, what he could not touch. And if he engaged in certain parts, you better watch out because World War III is about to erupt. That's right. <laughs> so he always stayed clear. She's a grenade with a pin pulled. And so at any moment and at any place, he knew that it could be over. So always, his plan was, do not engage. Just be passive. Stay away from it. Stay away from the triggers. But in this, all of Israel pays for his passivity. You've got to understand this. His own family pays for this passivity. And those with an Ahab spirit, they hate those with an Elijah spirit because they come forward with common sense. They come forward and they see a situation and say, what is going on here? You can change. You can repent. What you're doing is not correct. It's not right. And again, the emotionalism of Ahab usually comes out. They get emotional very quickly. And even if you preach something like this or say something, they don't come back to the family gathering. They stay out of the church, and they just run from the place that brings the conflict. Number three is this, Ahab's hate overt living. Ahab's live in the closet. They live in the dark. They live in the shadows. They stay away. They do their, their bidding where nobody can see it. Overt living is I live out in front. I'm not afraid to get in the fight. I'm not afraid to let someone know what my opinion is or what maybe I think about something or what ultimately scripture says. But covert living is I live in the shadows. I, I do my work from the distance. A biblical character you could think of as Judas Iscariot, right? Judas, we, we kind of a minor player till he does his betrayal with Jesus all along, he's handling the money of Jesus' ministry. He's watching the miracles. He's seeing everything take place. Never thinking if you would think, because they knew someone would betray Jesus. It was prophesied. And if you think about it, you, you're, we know the story. But they, all signs would point to it would probably be Peter, because he's a loud mouth. Because he always puts his foot in his mouth. He says what he thinks. And we kind of know how he is. But here's Judas just lurking in the shadows, being patient, waiting for his time, waiting for his payday, waiting for his money. 
And when the time came, his covertness, there he is. There's our traitor. And so Ahab's do not like overt living. They always are covert. Number four is this. They don't lead at home. You see in the scriptures that there were generations of horrible kings who came before him and even that would come after him. There was a generational curse of being a terrible, wicked man, terrible, wicked husband, terrible, wicked father. This was his curse that he did not handle, that he did not confront. Number five, they don't learn. Ahab's spirits don't learn. They hear, like I was saying, but they do not learn. They sit in church their whole life and they never change. They talk a good game. They even show a little emotion, probably a lot of emotion, but they never come to the place of actually changing. It's different when you cry. It's different when you know you've done wrong, but it is a different story than when you actually change based off the choice that you've made. Amen? So you got to have more than a learning spirit. And what this is, the differences of a learning and a hearing spirit is applying and obeying. We've got to apply and obey what the scripture says. Not just talk about it, not just speak it, but we've got to go apply it and we've got to go obey it. Number six, they're never healthy spiritually. They're spiritual, but it's not healthy spirituality. It is not being filled with the Holy Spirit. And there is a world that is so deceived. There is a church. If you are not careful that there can be these new age tendencies, there can be these false prophets. Again, Jezebel is a false prophet. Ahab is a false prophet, and they have false doctrine. And in this day and age, you've got to be able to discern, like Naboth did, here comes an Ahab who wants something, offering something. This is a good thing. But no, this is Ahab. This is a spirit that something's off here. So in the day and age of the churches you're a part of, the small groups you're a part of, the conversations you engage in, you've got to discern, is this of God or is this a Jezebel or Ahab spirit at work? Or is this set of God, set of of Elijah? There's truth spoken here. God is working and all the things that come around it to make it healthy. They're not healthy spiritually. Number seven, uh, they avoid leading at work. Avoid leading at work. Uh, you could think of it this way, is a marionette to a puppet. They might have the title. They might have the position. But there's a Jezebel behind the scenes is a marionette working that puppet to use that position, to use that leverage to get what she wants. When you see someone who has the title and you think is in charge, but really deep down you know somebody else is pulling the strings, they're just the face up front. Most likely it's an Ahab spirit. Number eight, they avoid, again, in the realm of leadership and in the church, they avoid being the one that picks the church. They're always going to defer, what does she want? I'm just tolerating. I want to make her happy. Wherever she wants to go, that's where we'll go. And if she wants to go there, we'll go. And then when she's ready to leave, we'll leave. Right? There's, it, it's never working together. That's, that's the key here. There's no togetherness. It's either one or the other. And there has to be a coming together, a working through it, going through the conflict, and it's understanding um, that in doing this, you make your decisions together, you follow the Lord. It is not hard, it is not difficult, but you have the conversation. And men, we honor where our wives are, we, we listen, we come to conclusions, and most things in marriage 
talking about this for a second, can be resolved if you just talk through it. If you don't shout through it, the thing I've come to find too, don't just, if this is an issue or any of these things are an issue, don't go out of here and talk about it right when you get in the car. Think through it, go have a nice lunch and say, hey, there was a couple things Pastor Garrett talked about. Um, why don't at dinner tonight, why, I want to take you out to dinner and why don't we talk about a few things, right? <laughs> There's, uh, time and place is very important. You know this. So don't be a bull in a china shop and come down the throat of some of these topics. Number nine is this joy. They're emotional, fearful, but they never worship and they're never rejoicing. They have a lot to say, their life, they have a big personality, but there's never real joy or real contentment. And they despise those like Elijah who truly are content, who are, know their lane and know their place and walk confidently in that. Number 10 is this, they avoid difficult decisions. Ahab always defers to Jezebel and false prophets, saying what he wants, then always asking, what do you think? Or what's your opinion here? And the reason they avoid difficult decisions is if it goes south, the blame doesn't come on them. And if it goes good, then, you know, they're okay there too. So they're always putting it back. What do you want? Where do you want to go? How, how do you want things to go? Where do you want to live? Where, all of the, it's always deferring. Let them make the decision so then if it goes south, honey, it was your decision. All right, number 11, we'll move on. <laughs> sacrifice. Ahab's always avoid sacrifice. Anything with a cost associated to it, you'll see him running in the other direction. You see this in uh, 1 Kings 22. 22 or, uh, 21 or 22, but you'll see where um, Jehoshaphat and uh, Ahab go to war. They put this plan together, and they say that the plan is that, uh, and again, this is such like Ahab, is that he says, look, go put the king's clothes on. Jehoshaphat, you go and be the one noticed. I'm going to dress up like everybody else and kind of blend in and hide. They won't find me, and you can divert them. And isn't that an Ahab kind of plan? Let me just slide into the shadows. Let there be a diversion. But you'll see that they, they pursue thinking what's Ahab, which is Jehoshaphat. They turn around. They don't kill him. And it says a, a random bow gets launched into the, between the breastplate and the helmet of Ahab. He gets wounded. And then he gets carted off and back. They try to save his life. He dies in his chariot. And uh, what you'll even see, it is, he has such a wicked death, and so does Jezebel. Ahab loves pleasure, ease, and comfort, comfort. has a soft bed, has a chariot, has multiple vacation homes, whatever he says goes, you name the luxury, the pleasure, the comfort, Ahab's take it all in. That's what they live for, that's their MO, that's what they do. Number 20, they avoid initiative, always passive, reactive. Never take the decisions and do what needs to be done. And I leave you with this, is they always avoid reality. Time and time again is, is Elijah asserts, he tries to get him to see his reality, but he never does. He thinks he can skirt along. He thinks he can always get by like he always did. And uh, as we said, he just keeps getting disturbed. He keeps putting a plan together. He keeps catering and tolerating, being passive. 
But as we get into next week and the following week, you'll see that that never leads anywhere good. And the thing is, you can hide behind some of these attributes and character traits for, for time. And you can have a sleight of hand and shuffle things around. But it will catch up with you. And there will be destruction. There will be doom and gloom as a result if you keep tolerating and you keep staying in this place of being passive in all areas of your life. And what, what breaks my heart and the point of healing is we live in a culture that pushes this. So if you go on autopilot and you just kind of exist in this, this is what by default will be your portion in life. Because that's what's celebrated when men get passive and step aside and abdicate their responsibilities. And you gotta know my heart too. Is this, if you're in here, and obviously the beautiful, wonderful ladies of our church, is it doesn't mean you stay under the thumb of a man who says, you're gonna do this, because a man can be just as much of a Jezebel as a woman, controlling, manipulative, sexual. And so you've gotta understand that it can be in both camps. And when both when the house is out of order, there's chaos. So you've got to be able to understand if both spouses are not serving Christ, following Christ, heeding and obeying the word of God, you're always it's going to be a mess. But when you both begin to serve God and come in line, there's parts of Ahab and there's parts of Jezebel that you're going to have to confront. And you're, if you're not going to confront it in your home, it's going to be in your kids' schools. It's going to be in your workplace. It's going to be in your church. You're going to have to know how to maneuver and operate through this. So I wanted to throw these out at you, get you thinking through it, and understand that there, there are these spirits at work. Do not be deceived. Do not be manipulate, manipulated by them and become like what they want you to be, passive on one side or controlling on the other. If you stand, I want to bring it to a close with this. You know, a lot of these statistics will show that a person becomes like a Jezebel or like Ahab through family trauma. A lot of these are where these tendencies or these proclivities come forth and come down the line. And so this is why in God's house, it's a place of healing. For these places of when you ask the question and you really think deeply, why am I like this? Why am I passive? Why do I put the baton down? Why am I afraid of the fight? Why don't I take my responsibility? How do I take a stand? All these things that we have to ask, but maybe you just don't even have the tools to implement them. Come to find most people, they don't want to be like this, but they don't know how to change or they don't know how to take their rightful place, or maybe they're a byproduct of some dysfunction that now has grown up and has turned 35 and, and still working through those things. And so as I hit on these things, my challenge and my encouragement to you is, is that you go and wrestle with those places that the Holy Spirit has touched, the passive, indifferent, the I don't care attitude, somebody else will carry the load and you get real with the Holy Spirit and you allow him to touch those parts of your life because he wants to make you Elijah. He can make you Elijah. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, that is what changes everything. When the life of Christ becomes real to you and you have hope, you have the help you need 
and you can be healed of these parts of your life. As we get into next week too, I want you just to be thinking, and again, don't go start a war with people or places or things where you think these have these things. The goal is always check yourself. Look at the log in your own eye because that's where if you focus on you, then just like Elijah, he didn't meet the volume level of Ahab. He didn't meet the drama level of Ahab. He didn't counter with the same counter punch that Ahab did. There was a different strategy. There was a different spirit, which is the main thing. And that's how you do this thing right. And that's how you confront it and use strategy against it. You'll even see in this story that God gave um, a different prophet strategy to go in and even bring deception to the enemy's camp. When they believed it, even said that, oh, truly, uh, God is only a God of, their God, the God of Israel, is only the God of the mountain. He is not the God of the valley. You can read that in 1 Kings 21 and how they were deceived and destroyed because they believed that God only cares about the mountain parts if you internalize that of your life. But no, our God is a God of the valley. And when you are struggling with being an Ahab or in a controlling place of a Jezebel or working against that, it feels like you are in a valley. How am I gonna get out of this? How do we work through this? What are the tools I need? But no, you have everything you have need of if you will take the word of God, if you will allow the spirit of God to breathe upon it, then you will rise up in the spirit of Jesus and be able to confront it and not cause a war, not cause chaos, but God will protect you, care for you, and lead with you. And I love preaching on these things because there is no drama in our church right now. This is not aimed toward anybody. Um, This is just where we're at. And it's nice when you can speak on these things because as we move forward as a church, these are things that can flare up and in our own lives, our own personal walks, our church life, and you've just gotta be aware of it and check those proclivities and tendencies when they try to take over, say, I need to be set free of this. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We pray it encouraged, uplifted, and challenged you to become more like Christ. We would love to hear from you. You can email your prayer request to prayer at gpcky.com. Loving our podcast? Take a moment and like and subscribe on our YouTube channel to stay up to date with all of our new content. Thanks for listening.